Morning. Can I speak from down here? Is that okay? Wonderful. Um, if you can't see, there are front row seats available. Um, we may charge you double for them, but they are here. So, John chapter 8. Well, actually, why don't you get that ready, and then before we go there, um, I've just returned from Tamworth uh, late last night, and if you uh, know the country music calendar, it has been the country music festival up in Tamworth, which has been um, just a bunch of fun. Scripture Union actually hosts a tent up there. They call it the Gospel Zone, and there are just events going all day and night, um, kind of for the, for the king. I mean, it's just amazing that in, the, in, in amongst, like, just this crazy environment of music and country and akubras and street parades, there's just this tent of, of worship and of prayer kind of going on. Um, so I had the privilege of going up there uh, just Friday, Saturday, um, and we were to lead worship um, on this stage with all this stuff, um, and we saw the forecast, and it was like 90% rain. And you begin chatting to the locals, like, how likely is this that in the middle of a drought, we're going to get like 20, 30 mil of rain in a couple of hours? Nah, it won't happen. It won't happen. It'll blow over. It'll go south. Won't, won't land here. Like, we're in a, a big drought um, at the moment. We need the rain. Anyway, we, we're like probably half an hour from beginning the night, and it starts pouring. There's thunder, there's lightning, power goes out. <laughs> it's like, all right, plan B, let's go. Um, and we ended up just having the most beautiful night, um, kind of under marquees, and it was just pouring rain all around us. Like, we all took our shoes off. We're standing, like, knee-deep in water and mud. And I'm Little Hills kid, like, worried about my, my, sh my pants getting wet. Um, but, you know, we had fun. And sometimes that's the best place to be and the best... Um, the best way to just, just see God, God work and God move. Um, great. How is everyone? Good? Very good. You know, I think sometimes um, we can oversimplify some of the concepts of the kingdom. And it's totally in the right heart um, but I think sometimes we can think of, of Scripture and think of God as, as black and whites. I think sometimes we can, like in trying to simplify and understand something, we, we like to think in right versus wrong. We like to think in black and white. But, you know, I think the kingdom and I think grace especially is much more diverse than that. You know, as people, we, we often like to think in, yes, that's the right thing to do. No, that's the wrong thing to do. We like to think in truth and ideals and, and one way or the other. As we open this, this passage this morning, I hope that we can see that there's so much more, um, more diversity and more heart and more compassion um, than simply looking at a scenario and going, right, wrong, this is what we do every time, full stop. You know, I think there's a, there's a bit of a shift in our thinking for us this morning. From thinking black and white to starting to think a bit more coloured. To starting to think a bit more with our hearts. To starting to think grace rather than law. And you know, the church globally is, 
is often known more for what we stand against than what we stand for. You know, that's sad that the church is known for their rules and their regulations and their, honestly, their black and whites more than they're known for its heart. And I pray and I hope to see a church one day that is known for its heart, that's really known for its compassion, for its love for the lost, the least. And I'm not in any means saying that we get rid of our rules or our, our black and whites because some of those stuff is it's so great and it's so biblical. But sometimes the heart in which we approach the matter is, um, is maybe not quite right. Okay, John chapter 8. Is everyone ready? Wonderful, wonderful. From verse 2, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? Now we're using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. You know, the first thing I want to point out is Jesus here, he's in the temple courts. He's in the place of religion. He's in the place that would have been known for the rules. A place that would have been known for their religion and for the things that they stand for and the things that they stand against. And isn't it funny that Jesus chooses to have this conversation in this place? Just like the church today is known as a place for their rules and for their religion. Jesus here, I think, wants to speak something directly to us today. You see the people that come and they bring in this woman. It's the Pharisees and it's the teachers of the law. You know, the Pharisees, they were known for being the morally, um, the right-standing people. They knew how to live by the law. They knew how to do the things that pleased God. And it was totally the right intention because in Deuteronomy, we can go back and read the law. In chapter 22, it says... If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. So you see, these people that bring this woman caught in adultery, they've got the concept. They've got the black and white. They've got the right versus wrong. You know, if we're not careful, we can fall into that same thing where we think right versus wrong, black versus white. You see, we were created to live out of relationship. We were created to live out of the leading of the presence of God, not simply a bunch of concepts and principles. And there are some situations, and especially today in 2020, there are many situations that are not black and white. As much as we'd like them to be, there are so many situations that we need the voice of God to lead us and to direct us. Because if we pull a bunch of principles and concepts and we take them away from the heart of God, we can get stuck in a, in a quite religious, quite law-driven place. And I love this next bit. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. 
Do you ever wonder what Jesus would have written on the ground? Isn't it just such a beautiful posture of humility that, that first and foremost he gets down in the dirt? He could stand there and he could tell them that they're wrong. He could argue backwards and forwards. But he gets down in the dirt and he begins to write. I wonder if the thing that he wrote was grace. Because, you know, I think there's a, there's a lens shift and there's a lens change from old covenant to new covenant here in this story. There was a people that were so used to living by the law, a people that were so used to living out of a black and white world. And Jesus comes in and he says, grace. And grace changes everything. You know, the reality is that we're all that woman. We are all fallen short. And we all need this new foundation of grace that Jesus has brought in. So let's read on what happens. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin to be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. You know, one of the most beautiful things that I've noticed this week as I read this passage was um, verse 9. Those who began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. Why is it that God leaves that little phrase in there? And you know, I hope personally and as a church that the older we get, the more mature we get and grow in the kingdom, the more we know we need him. You know, it's so easy to grow and to think in this black and white framework that the more you get, the, big, like the bigger you are, the more you deserve, the more you are entitled, the more, um, the more righteous you are. But I love that in this passage, the older ones left first. The older ones were the ones that knew first and foremost, ah, oh, yeah, I need that grace too. And what a beautiful picture for us. That as we grow, the more we grow, the more we know that we need him. And right at the end there it says, go now and leave your life of sin. I think sometimes we can think of grace as this, like this freedom to do whatever we want. I think sometimes we think of if there was a line, we think grace gets us back up to the line to right standing and then kind of whatever else is up to you. But I want to suggest that grace is more than just getting us back up to that line, but grace is beyond. A definition I heard once of grace is that grace is the operational power of God. 
You see, grace is the currency that God deals in. And when God gives you his grace, he's not just getting you back to right standing with God, but he's giving you the, the empowering. He's giving you his presence and his spirit to then go on and live a life without sin. You know, every time we come face to face and we encounter him and his love, I think we should look different. You know, one of my favorite Old Testament stories is Exodus, I think it's 33, correct me if I'm wrong, but Moses goes up the mountain and he meets with God and as he comes back down, everyone says his face is visibly shining with the glory of God. Wouldn't that be beautiful that every time we, we opened our Bible, every time we spent a moment in prayer or stillness just meditating on him, every time we walked into church, that when we walked out, we'd look physically different that our language would be physically different, more loving, more compassionate, that the way we walked, that the way we spent our money, that the way we spent our time would be different because of that grace. It's not just to get us back to right standing, but it's to go beyond and to live a new life. And for us, as we've all received this grace, Who believes that they're called to influence the world around them? Yeah. Well, you are. How do we respond to a world that's caught up in sin? How do we respond to this world that's caught up in this, this wrong thinking and this wrong living? You know, Matt, Matt Beckenham who some of us here would know. He's a, he's a pastor over at Haberfield Baptist. Um, he has this line and he says, you can't both love and control at the same time. You can either love or you can control. You can't do the same thing at once. To love someone is to set them free into their identity. But often what happens in our old thinking is we see sin and we want to control it. When you control someone and something, what it does is it makes them smaller. But when you love someone, it makes them bigger. And I'm so convinced that you'll never condemn someone into the kingdom. I'm so convinced of it. You will only ever love someone into freedom. You won't condemn them. You know, I think Jesus only ever highlights sin either in this woman's life or in our lives to bring them into that place of freedom. You know, Romans 8.1, it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I just believe it's the way that he operates. He doesn't bring, he doesn't like highlight a sin that you're living in to bring condemnation and to, to try and control you. But it's actually his heart. It's his love that knows that there's a greater way of life for you. It's the father going, I can see that you're caught up in this, but there's a, greater, there's a greater purpose for your life. There's a greater freedom and there's a greater joy that I want to call you to. Condemnation and judgment will only ever shrink a person, but love will build them up. There's this great verse halfway through James chapter 2 and it says that mercy triumphs over judgment. 
you know, as I look around the world, as I look around our country, as I look around um, even our church and, and people that I know, mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, it's so easy to look at situations and to judge. This is what I think judgment does. I think judgment puts us in the seat of God. I think judgment is definitive in nature. So what I think it does is it closes off an openness and an awareness to the voice of God. And I think judgment will also only ever separate you from a person. Where God wants to bring restoration and freedom, judgment will only ever close that. Eric Johnson, a pastor over in the States, says this. He says, you'll never influence an environment you're throwing stones at. And then my version of that is, I don't think you'll ever influence a person for the kingdom that you're throwing stones at. And, you know, we may not be throwing physical stones in our day. But, you know, the stones we throw can be stones of bitterness. They can be stones of gossip. They can be stones of judgment. You know, have you ever made a judgment about someone and then actually got to the heart of the matter later and gone, oh, how wrong was I? It's happened to me way too many times, but I'll be frustrated at, at someone either just letting their kid run wild and woolies or, you know, baby crying on a plane that many times. And then you, you kind of understand a bit more of what's going on. And all of a sudden the penny drops and you're like, oh, okay. I've got grace for you. I've got compassion for you too. Everyone who doesn't yet know him desperately needs an encounter of love, not an encounter of judgment. So to move in compassion, to move in love, it means that we become focused on the gold in someone rather than everything that they're not. It means that we, we treat everyone as if they're a child of God. It means that our success is measured by closeness to God and closeness to people. And to move in compassion means that we know that grace is sufficient in every situation and scenario. When it's easy to be fearful and to want to control and to condemn, we know that grace is sufficient. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that, that I've been saying this and sharing this on what we know as Australia Day. You know, there's a nation that there are so many opinions, so many questions about our past, about our present, and about our future. And, you know, I think the one thing that will bring healing and restoration is that we move in compassion, that we move in this new paradigm of grace where we were once living in law, in a black and white reality, that we would now be open to the voice of God, 
that we'd be open to the restoration of all things. It's only by his grace that we're saved and that we can live and breathe and have our being. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand? I'll invite the worship crew back up. And I may just pray over us. Let's stand. So God, I thank you that that's true, that mercy triumphs over judgment. And God, I first and foremost thank you that that's true for us. That each of us was once lost, but now we're found. That each of us was once blind, but now we see. And God, I pray that that wouldn't just be a nice phrase that we hear on a Sunday, but that would be the reality we live from. So God, would you help us to to change the world around us? To be people of grace. To be people moved by compassion. God, that we'd see an earth that looks more like heaven. And God, I just pray for us as a community and a congregation. Would you draw us together in love? Would you knit us together and grow us and shape us like never before? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.